It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. First pitch to Adele. Lined into left center field, base hit. Here comes Jay with a tying run. Here comes Dice with a winning run. Playing a line drive, left center field. Jay on the run, dives, and he makes the catch to save the game. What a play by John Jay, racing towards left center, making an all-out dive, getting the ball in his glove and hanging on when he hit the deck. What a play by John Jay to keep this game alive for the Bees. First pitch to Gutierrez, swung on, that's lifted in the air left field. Alcantara going back, it's up there, it's out there, and it's gone. Just inside the foul pole and left. Drew Butera with his third home run of the season, and the Bees take a 2-1 to lead. Swung on, and there it goes, deep to right field. The Bees have gone back-to-back, it's 3-1 to Salt Lake. That one landed on top of the sidewalk in right field, in between the foul pole and the light standard. Swing a fly ball left field, Alcantara doesn't see it, now goes back, that ball's up there, it's out there, and it's gone! Three-run homer for Drew Butera, his second round tripper of the game, and the Bees take the lead again at 6-3. to three. Right there, the job you did, nobody else Richards knocks down another three. Saturday show. Hope y'all are doing great out there. Yawk and Lundy along for the ride. I'm Jay Catch. That is Alex Lundberg. We got Eric Jensen behind the glass, spinning the ones and twos as it were. Lundy, what is up, my friend? You know, it's another Saturday. Happy to be here. Yeah. I, uh, it's another Saturday, that's for certain. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those days where I woke up and, you know, like where it's you get too much sleep. You know, like that feel. Well, you have kids, so probably you don't remember that feeling too I, I, okay. super well. But like. I remember that feeling. <laughs> I have not had that feeling in many, many years because yeah. I have a double whammy. I work early morning sports that's, radio, yeah, and I have two kids under the age of five. So. Yeah, but today was one of those days that, like, I don't know how or why, but I went to sleep relatively early last night okay. and still slept in this morning. And it was one of those days where I just like woke up and it was like, okay, where am I? Who am I? What is going on? Okay. And then, brag. Yeah, no, it, dude, it felt so good. Like, it, you know, I mean, it's been a long time t- since I've been able to really sleep like that. And so, you know, I've kind of got my, my legs back under me. You know, I had my had my 300 milligrams of caffeine for breakfast. So I'm back on, my, you know, I'm back feeling normal again. But I, uh, man, I tell you what, I woke up just feeling like just, you know, Wait, 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 wait. So you still have one of those terrible energy drinks that you just consume constantly even after, like, a great night of sleep? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's 
So, it's so, more like a dependence now. Than yeah, a, than how addicted? Yeah, I was about to say, how addicted are you? You know, about about normal. <laughs> this is awesome. This is a great way to start the show. <laughs> but you're, you're okay. I know exactly what you're talking about because the whole like wake up and be like, where am I? Like, what day is it? That type of stuff. Yeah, I remember those days. But like I said, it's been many, many yeah. moons since I, I've experienced that. And not gonna lie, like part of me panicked. Like as soon as I realized it was like okay, you know where the then I was like Saturday show, what time is it? I look and it's like you know nine thirty. Okay. I was like oh okay, like I got time. I got a I got a minute. So but, you get your energy drink. You yeah, get yeah. down that and off Kinda you go. Nursed that while I sat on the couch for the morning, you know, and then <laughs> Very made nice. my way in. But I yeah no, I had a legitimate panic attack when I woke up after you know a a, a good night of deep sleep. Sure. Right. And then was good nights of deep sleep are to be um, relished. Let's put it that yes. way. Yeah, they uh, the older I get, the the fewer they they come. And I don't even have you know, like like you said, you've got the double whammy. I don't have the morning shift that I have to cover. I don't have children that hey. I have to attend to. They're worth every sacrifice. I'll be honest, but yes, there are days it's just like. Whew, all right, let's just get through this. But yeah, you know, no, know what? That's the fun part. Is we're on air. We're having a good time. Uh, weather along the Wasatch Front, blazing hot, and yeah. we apparently need to tell Oregon, Idaho, and Nevada to knock it off with all the smoke. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for blowing all that our way. But uh, so far, so good, and hope you guys are all doing great out there wherever you might be, whether you're running errands, just chilling like Lundy talked about, just kind of chilling on the couch, doing whatever you're doing. Thanks for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, just kind of lay out of the show where we're going to go today, talk some college football. Uh, we need to talk about the FPI, ESPN's FPI. And, Eric, I think you may have seen this. Lundy, you may have seen it. BYU in particular, the new FPI that came out, apparently took BYU from a middling team to apparently a really good team. And we're going to dig into that and see if we can explain why that made that flip. We're also going to talk with Sam Farnsworth from KSL TV, Sportsbeat, does a lot of good things. Wanted to catch up with him. Um, just an interest of full disclosure, I've known Sam for many, many years. We'll explain more when we have him on. How long exactly I have known Sam? Lenny's sitting here looking at me like, how long could you have known this guy? You'll learn. You'll be right along there with our <laughs> listeners. Eric, I heard a little bit about it before we went on air. And obviously we're going to talk about the NBA Finals here in a moment. Phoenix up 2-0, looking to take a 3-0 series lead tomorrow in Game 3 of that. And, of course, we got Saki, the 60-60 and 60 recap, and, of course, our favorite, technical fouls. So plenty to get to ahead on this show, but let's start off in the NBA, Lundy. NBA Finals ongoing, and Phoenix is up 2-0. And DJ and PK brought up a very interesting question yesterday. Is, is Are you Utah Jazz fans or just people in Utah are you sitting there looking at Phoenix thinking this was a missed opportunity? We could be up 2-0 in the NBA Finals right now. I mean, I think it's fair to feel that way, that, you know, to kind of look at it and be like, man, we should be there. But, you know, at the, at the same time, like, I'm going to kind of take almost the opposite stance and say, no, the Utah Jazz, you know, like, if, if they could be there, they would be there. Sure. And they're not there, so, you know, it's, you know, it, it a lot of fans, I think, should, you know, they can feel justified in that, that to think, oh, man, we had the opportunity and we missed it. But I think that the Jazz, you know, they're, the problems with the teams were, exp with the team was exposed. 
uh, in that series against the Clippers, and then the Clippers lost to Phoenix. And so, you know, realistically, the Jazz are about, you know, the third best team in the West, the way things played out. So it's, you know, yeah, sure, maybe the Jazz would be up 2-0. Maybe they'd be down 0-2 if they made it this far. See, and that's that's the interesting part here, I think, for most people, is to look at it. Is it a missed opportunity? Yes. Because mm-hmm. let's l- look at the NBA this year. And it's, and a lot of people are like, well, it should have an asterisk on it. All these guys got hurt. You know what? The one team that did not get hurt, by and large, and they've been hurt in this series, by the way, uh, Dario Saric now done indefinitely with a torn ACL. Tory Craig, look, he did something serious. I have mm-hmm. not seen anything on Tory Craig. So two rotation players for Phoenix have gone down here. So they're finally, I guess, but they're not, those are also not star players. They didn't have Kawhi Leonard go down for the L.A. Clippers. They didn't have Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell playing on seemingly one leg for the Utah Jazz. Phoenix is the beneficiary of being healthy. Mm-hmm. And it looks like, I, just looking at it, they're up 2-0 two no, two in that series. I look at it, and I think they're on their way. They're going to win their first championship in franchise history, barring something completely unforeseen. I'm not counting out Milwaukee currently, but so far Milwaukee, they took a lead and they outscored them in the first quarter in game two, and then Phoenix is like, okay, yeah, that's cute. Let's let the big boys play here. I think Phoenix is on their way, and in many ways I can see why Jazz fans would feel like this is a big missed opportunity, but you also have to look at the fact that the two teams who by and large have avoided major injuries, speaking of Milwaukee, in addition to Phoenix – well, guess who's in the NBA Finals? Mm-hmm. You know, and the injuries thing, you know, we, we won't get too deep into that because, you know, that, that's already been talked by everybody across the nation. Everybody's brought that up. But the thing, you know, my, my view towards it is everybody, everybody played the same type of schedule. Yeah, they did. And you played 72 regular season games. Yeah, within <laughs> the same amount of time. Uh-huh. Injuries happen and they're part of the game. And it's unfortunate but you know that's where your depth comes into play sure and so you know it's it's not that it you know it it, it doesn't provide anybody an unfair advantage i would say like you know if you're prepared for it then you know phoenix and milwaukee they had people you know when chris paul went out with covid phoenix kept winning yep they did you know and so look yeah it's it's different they weren't without him for as long as other players you know other teams with other players sure but when it comes down to it you know the ball bounces weird sometimes like there's just things that you can't take into account there's things that you can't game plan for they strike randomly and that's part of the game it's part of every game and you just kind of have to deal with it and roll with it and so you know i don't put an asterisk next to any of this because it's just you know everybody faced the same things and it just happened to shake out the way that it did. If you're not able to overcome it, then, you know, oh, well, too bad. And see, that that's the thing about it right there is that I think that we all look at it and say, okay, what are the Jazz going to do here to bring it closer to home? What are they going to do in this offseason to set themselves back up? Uh, I think there's a lot, and this is just my opinion on this, is I, this is me kind of reading between the lines, if you will, in terms of what I've read on social media. I've seen a lot of Jazz fans say this is our missed opportunity, but what I feel like when they say that in some ways, and trust me, Twitter is a bad <laughs> gauge of this, but this is just me looking into it a little deeper than maybe I should, is I think... Why? You don't follow me on Twitter, either, <laughs> for good reason. Nobody should follow me. <laughs> 
I have not unfollowed you, Eric, so you're welcome on that. But the the thing about it is I look at it and I feel like a lot of Jazz fans feel like the quote-unquote championship window has just been slammed shut on them. I don't think it has. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's it's closed yet. It's uh, you know I think that this was the best opportunity they've had since the 90s. I would agree with that, yes. There's some people who say, well, what about that 08 team? No. no. Sorry, the Lakers and Kobe were standing in the way there. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was a great run. Yeah. No. See, that, that, that's the thing about it. I think there are Jazz fans who feel like, if we couldn't get it done now, when are we going to get it done? Here's the fact of the matter. Donovan Mitchell is 24 years old. Rudy Gobert is still very much in his prime, and maybe just entering his prime in some ways. You have two franchise cornerstones to build around here. I, I'm sure there are Jazz fans who are screaming, Rudy Gobert's not going to win us a championship. You know what? I'll argue with you on that because I think he can be a guy. He's he's not a guy who gets, quote-unquote, played off the floor in the playoffs. I don't subscribe to that theory. I'm sorry. Other teams like to throw that out there. That's just not me. But I feel like if you can build around those two, and I also believe that Mike Conley is worth bringing back. I truly believe that. The biggest question with the Mike Conley situation is years and dollars, and more in particular the years part of that is he going to hamstring you to bring him back for four years can you get him on a two-year deal can if you can get him on a shorter term deal that's kind of where i sit and think okay that's where it works better in my mind obviously we got a new regime running the running the show here in salt lake city too though we have ryan smith taking over as the owner Dwayne wade is now involved justin zanuck is now the chief decision maker in the front office for the utah jazz Things are going to go differently this offseason for the Utah Jazz than they have for the better part of a decade previously because Dennis Lindsay is now no longer calling the shots. The Millers are also out of the picture. I am very curious to see how things go here to keep the Jazz playing at a high level. I believe that Ryan Smith is very intent on winning a championship here. This is a guy who has been riding with the Jazz, riding dying with the Jazz for years, and he wants nothing more than to lift that trophy here in Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, and like you said, you know, there's a lot of people that may scream and complain that, you know, oh, Rudy Gobert can't win you a championship. You know, my response to that would be maybe. We don't know. You know, we, It's still yet to be determined. We sure. don't know until we see, Yeah. right? You know, and if the if – the, if the experts that are paid the big dollars think that they can win with him, I'm not going to disagree with them. I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong because, you know, I, uh, I I spend a lot less time per day thinking about it than they do. And I spend a lot less time evaluating and doing those kinds of things. And so I think that they're a little bit more qualified than me. And if they believe that, then I think that they're probably right. Um, now, sure, maybe 10 years from now, we look back and go, boof. You know, that was a bad idea. But who knows? Maybe 10 years from now, it's like, hey, a lot of people doubted this guy, and he brought us a dynasty, right? Yeah. We, we don't know. They, and so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I do think I agree, I agree with you that this offseason is going to be very interesting because for, the, for jazz fans, this is uncharted waters. It's been pretty stable and pretty consistent as far as who's calling the shots for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now it's a big turnover there from owner to decision maker to just there's a lot of new faces a lot of new voices in the conversation 
And so, yeah, we, we don't know how this is going to be approached, and it's going to be fascinating to sit back and watch and see if it's going to kind of follow a similar rubric as far as how they make their decisions or if it's going to be this entirely new formula to just kind of shake things up and see what they can bring in and what they can change. And see, and bringing it back to the finals here for a minute, is that Phoenix has been the absolute dregs of the NBA for the better part of, well, no, 11, it was 11 straight years they didn't make the playoffs. And now suddenly they're getting right back into the playoffs, and now they look like they're on their way to hoisting the trophy down there in the Valley of the Sun. It's crazy to think how quickly things can change in the NBA, in pro sports in general. You get the right people, the right collection of talent, the right support staff, coaches, whatever it might be around them, and it's amazing what people can accomplish. Do I think that the Jazz are immediately going to go from Western Conference semifinalists this year to NBA Finals champion next year? I can't guarantee that. But there is a new dynamic. There's a new era kind of dawning here within the window of the Jazz have created here. Because I still believe you have two franchise cornerstones. Mitchell and Gobert, to me, are great guys to build around. Now, can you go out? Can you upgrade athleticism on the wing? Can you find a backup five who can maybe offer a little different look than Rudy or either the same look or a different look? What I mean by that is, can you find Rudy Gobert's replacement for the minutes he's off the floor and do that. Favors at points, Eric Favors had moments where he's able to do that, but it seemed like down the stretch he struggled to fill in that role. There are other people out there, and we've talked about this on this show, is that people say that the backup five should be an alternate look for the Jazz, maybe a five-out look, where it's a big man who can still rebound, can defend, but can step out to the perimeter and hit a shot and just look, make the Jazz look a little more dynamic. We're going to find out, and there's a lot of intrigue here with Justin Zanuck because he's been part of the front office he's been part of the brain trust been part of the decision making process but now he gets to make the final call what does he want to see from this team what does ryan smith want to see from this team they want to see a different look and until we get to free agents until we get to the draft there's still a lot of unknowns Mm -hmm. um bringing it back to the nba finals for a minute i want to ask you uh through these first two games what has been one of if not your very favorite aspect to this nba finals my favorite part about the finals this year, I think the biggest thing is just new blood. Yeah. And David Bach actually brought this up. Uh, we're going to have four straight years of a different champion in the NBA, which has been, it's been since I think the 80s since something like that has happened. So, and his question was, okay, is this the new reality for the NBA or is it just a aberration where we're going to go right back to having dynasties pop up and they're going to win three or four titles and then break up? Well, we don't know. We're going to find out. But the one thing I like is that Phoenix and Milwaukee, hey, welcome back to the finals. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's, it's been fun to see that part of it. And I've obviously had a little bit of a rooting interest because we have the local connections to the Milwaukee Bucks with both Sam Merrill in addition to Elijah Bryant. Uh, they're both on the Bucks roster right now. I saw both of them play in college. Both of them were great college players here, so we got that connection with them on that front. But I just look at this as a big uh, time opportunity just to enjoy some, yeah, some of that just that new dynamic of the NBA, some new power players, if it will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with everything that you've said. I think my favorite part, and this is going to sound really dumb, mm-hmm. but my favorite thing about watching this finals has been, and this is just like the petty person inside <laughs> of me. Okay. Um, 
that just loves just that kind of thing. My favorite thing that I've seen is whenever Giannis goes to the free throw line. Oh, jeez, yes. The fans in Phoenix counting. I don't know why, but that to me is just the funniest thing I've seen in an NBA Finals. I love it so much. Like, I just love the crowd getting involved and doing, you know, attempting to do mind games and things like that. It's it's so dumb, and it's so just, like, kind of meaningless. Like, it seems like something that you'd see in a college game, not in an NBA Finals, right? And something about that just, it fills my bitter soul with glee. Well, you're right. It, it, it's very much more of a college dynamic brought to the NBA, because... Do you okay in the in college the college game, guy misses airballs a shot. You're chanting airball at him for seemingly the rest of the game, and the oh, entire yeah. crowd's in on it. Yep. that doesn't happen in the NBA. No, never. So this is yeah, I, I'm with you. The ten, nine, or count up or down, whatever yeah. which way they want to go with it. It's actually yeah, it's very much more of a sophomoric <laughs> college dynamic that's been translated over to the NBA. And I'm with you. I'm kind of I'm here for it. It's fun. Like I just. The, like I, I really can't explain why I think it's great. I just do. Like when I first noticed that they were doing it, it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like a whole fan base for an NBA team got coordinated and uh-huh. just decided, "Hey, this guy takes forever, so let's make fun of him for it." And I mean, you know, like Giannis, to his credit, you know, he's he's handled it relatively well. He doesn't make, you know, I mean, he's shooting. A significantly lower portion in the playoffs, sure. Like a, a significantly lower percentage yeah. in the playoffs than he yeah. did in the regular season. I don't know that it's necessarily due to the fact that people are counting. Um, it might just be the pressure. I don't know what it is, but I mean, he's, you know, he doesn't look like he's frustrated or upset by it. He no. just goes back to the line. He's like, oh, I airballed a free throw. Whatever. I'm going to take another one. Yeah. I the, the one thing about this, by the way, is I do wonder how many people have now learned that there is a 10 second rule on free throws from this because. I learned the hard way. DJ also learned the hard way. Uh, DJ said he was playing in, I think, an actual high school game where the crowd and the cheerleaders were, like, chanting stuff. So he said, I'm going to wait him out. I'm going to make them do this thing. And all of a sudden, the referee blows his whistle and says, and he, that's how he learned there was a 10-second count. I learned in, uh, well, what, what do you call it? it? It's not junior jazz. Uh, when you get to high school, what do they call it? City League, I guess is the easiest way. There, I guess different mm-hmm. community call it different things. We played in high school, and... I'm standing at the line one time, and I had something distract me, and I'm just – and I – trust me, I don't proclaim to be any proficient type of a basketball player, but something distracted me, and I took too long, and the referee blows his whistle, and that's 10 seconds, dead yeah. ball out of bounds. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? And I, I – trust me, I do wonder how many people who have watched the NBA for years and years and years even knew that rule was on the rule book. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I've seen it – that they haven't been calling it exactly, well, you know. I mean, granted, the, the the refs are probably doing their own count that might be a little bit slower sure. than the fans, you know, because I've seen the fans occasionally get to like twelve or thirteen on their count, yeah. and they still. One of the things that I wonder, though, and you know, maybe, maybe this is just me thinking, you know, and I don't know how hard it would be to completely change up your routine, but I wonder if Giannis might approach this as hey, this is an opportunity for me to get a new routine and actually turn this on its head and make it something that helps me, where they start counting, and he uses that to get into his rhythm, and it's like, <laughs> all right, here we go. Seven, eight, nine, shot. Shoot. I'd use it. Why not? Right? Use that. Use that. Because 
we're talking about a routine thing. These players mm-hmm. are all have a routine, so I, I'm with you on that. Uh, our good friend Clint Peterson weighing in with two different thoughts here. Let's, let's get to these real quick. Uh, first thing says, nah, what do the Jazz struggle with the most? CP3 and Booker would have cooked that Jazz backcourt with the injuries in the Western Conference Finals. I have a hard time disagreeing with you on that one, Clint, because Donovan Mitchell, for everything he had done and put up 39-9 and in that Game 6 loss, was just otherworldly but severely hampered on the defensive side. Mike Conley, he said he was 50-60%. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been hard-pressed for the Jazz to slow down. Yeah, CP3 and Book uh, in that Western Conference Finals had it taken place. And then also he says, the same people who used to complain that there's no parity in the NBA now complain that there's too much parity in the NBA. <laughs> you can't win in the NBA. It's, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Yeah. But I think the NBA, and this is just me, I think that Adam Silver and the brain trust there in New York City, at NBA headquarters, I think they like the parity, honestly. Yeah. Because I think they see what the NFL's lore is. Teams can go from worst to first in a year, two tops. The NBA, it's very much not been that way for many, many years. Right. And if they can create that dynamic, it brings more fans, more of the casual fans in who are saying, oh, hey, my team's actually got a chance this year. I'm going to watch a little bit more of them. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to create. Do I think it's ultimately ever going to be that way? I have a hard time with that because basketball is such a smaller roster. You get three really good players. You're going to dominate a game unlike the NFL where a great quarterback sets you apart sure but there are still 10 other guys alongside him and 11 other dudes on the other side of the ball trying to slow you down right yeah no it's I mean a LeBron James has a greater impact on a team than a Tom Brady does yes I mean you know you can look at some of the best quarterbacks I mean look at Andrew Luck right I think that and Eric you can correct me if I'm wrong but a lot of people have looked at him as one of you know, the great talents that's ever played in the NFL. When he's right, sure. And his career was very short because he was surrounded by not really much help, right? He, you had, know, his, he had his ass kicked because yeah. the offensive line was awful. Consistently, where LeBron James took some of the worst rosters in that we've ever seen in the NBA. He took them to the finals. <laughs> that, and so The Cleveland team he took to the finals uh, had, what's his name? He used to play here for the Jazz. Um Guard Mo Williams was like the number was the second best player on that roster. Zadrunas Ilgauskas, Anderson Verizhao. Just think of, if you could look at those Cleveland rosters. Yes, he drags some guys. Eric, you have a thought on that? Okay, all right. Well, uh, so I just I look at it and it's been it's a good point there, there, Clint. That yeah, there's a lot of people who said there's no parity. All these super teams keep winning. And all of a sudden, parity shows up. Well, you where are the stars at? <laughs> Okay, you yeah. can't have it both ways here, no. folks. And I just, you know, like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm consistent in this where it's like, you know, I was like, ah, super teams, you know, lack of parity. This is not very fun. You know, it's the same kind of thing w- that I cheer for in March Madness is, you know, like, sure. when my, you know, if if my personal favorite teams are eliminated, it's just like, all right, chaos. Let's go. Let's burn, burn the this bracket. thing, you know, yeah. burn this thing to the ground. And we've gotten that this year a little bit kind of. I mean, you know, it. The Suns are the two seeds, so <laughs> maybe that's that doesn't count. But I think it counts because it's two small market teams that haven't been there for a long time. 
just burn this thing to the ground. Let's get let's get chaotic and weird. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Gary uh, Scooter Burke, our friend on Twitter, saying, "Hey, I'm listening to you guys out there in West Valley." Scooter, thanks for reaching out. Always good to have you tuning in. Clint, you as well. If you guys do have thoughts on anything we talk about today, feel free to reach out. I'll just say Yak and Lundy. Lundy is at 24-7 Lundy, 247 Lundy. Eric at Eric18Utah, and I'm at Jacob C. Hatch. You also can tweet at the station uh, zone Twitter feed at Zone Sportsnet if you have any thoughts. All right, guys. We'll be back on the other side. We've got to talk a little college football here. And the, the the FPI thing is just this is so funny to see BYU get such an uptick. We'll also talk about Utah and where they sit in the FPI as well. We'll get to all of that next, right here on the Saturday show. In the yard or making a quick trip to the home improvement store. We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Yawk and Lundy along for the ride on your Saturday afternoon. And the sounds you're hearing here are one Tim Lacombe. Of course, those pre half and post game shows here on the Zone Sports Network during Utah Jazz broadcast. Longtime member of BYU's uh, men's basketball coaching staff, formerly worked for Ron McBride in the Utah men's basketball program, but he moonlights as a rock star. Uh, lead singer of the Party Hounds, and they played a show last night at the Valor. I heard it was fun times. Uh, I think all three of us here, Eric included, are actually headed down to the Valor in Provo tonight to watch the Party Hounds in action. Oh man, I'm so excited for this. Like, it's. The last concert I went to was February 14th, 2020. Okay. It was the Toasters at Liquid Joe's. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a concert junkie. Like, I love being there, love live music, and I've missed it. It has been so long, and so to, to finally be able to get back into a venue and to hear a band, and, you know, even better, it's somebody that we know. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's somebody that we know that we're friends with and uh-huh. we can go down and support. It's just going to make for a really good time. And the best part is, by the way, any of you out there who are looking for something to do tonight, if you can get down to Provo, get down there. The Velour is actually reopening. They have been closed for the entirety of the pandemic. This is a venue. It's a small venue. Uh, Corey Fox has been the longtime owner of it. He's done incredible things. Uh, I have been going to the Velour since I was a teenager. I'm now in my mid-30s. It's been around for many, many years. I went there many times during my college days. I saw a lot of great concerts. It's a small, intimate venue that needs all the support it can get. And the best part about this with the Party Hounds deal is the ticket prices are $10 a ticket, and it's all to support the reopening of the Velour. The Velour is having their traditional reopening celebration next weekend, uh, but you can do some good things. Support both Tim Lacombe, the Party Hounds, but in addition to supporting a small business here in our communities here in Utah by supporting the Velour if you're looking for something to do tonight. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to having some fun. And Eric mentioned the fact that he's never really been to Provo at all. Lundy, have you been to Provo a lot in your life? Uh, 
Yeah, I've been there a decent, like okay. a, you know, a handful of times. Well, see, Provo but. is my proverbial backyard of where I grew up. I grew up in Orem, Utah, which is a stone's throw away from Provo. And don't get on Twitter and tell me that Orem and Provo are the exact same things. I will tell you, you are dead wrong. Orem is set up on a hill for a reason. Did I sound like a homer enough? <laughs> 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 well, I just, I, Provo is a place I spent many, many days, nights. I, I went to school down there. I'll. If you guys want to go have some fun in Provo, we can go find it tonight. And fun is a relative term because fun means different things in Provo than does at other places. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric, I, I kind of told you before we went on air today about Provo. And it, you can have plenty of fun down there. It's just it's yeah. a different place. I do think though that like my caffeine intake already has exceeded the legal limit for down there. So, so like, you'd we, be surprised. Might have, to, might have to fly under the radar a little bit. I don't want to get any fines. You'd be surprised. Um, the, the funny thing is, though, there is now a Starbucks that is closer to BYU campus than almost any other restaurant or establishment. <gasps> it's legitimately, I'd say, it, the closest point to it, maybe 20 steps you could be at Starbucks and be, then go on BYU campus. It is right there. The only vending machine I have ever seen that carries caffeine-free Coke. It is coming back to me now. I've been to Provo one time to go to BYU's campus to see, like, some sort of play or something. Okay. And the only vending machine I've ever seen with, like, caffeine-free non-diet Coke, like Coke but just without caffeine in it, was on the BYU campus. Uh, Wild experience. BYU now does allow fully caffeinated beverages on campus for many, many years. It was very much that way, Eric. You're you're not wrong in that regard. But, yeah, I'm excited to get on to Provo. I just heard from Tim Lacombe. He's actually going to join us at 1.30 talk about this. So. All right. So we got a full show. We're going to have Sam Farnsworth at the top of the 1 o'clock hour. We'll have Lacombe at 1.30. Let him riff a little bit on what to expect from tonight's concert. Uh, but let's talk a little bit here about college football for a moment, Lundy. Uh the ESPN Football Percentages Index is one of the better metrics out there, in my opinion, for predicting what the future is going to hold for the upcoming football season. They put out their original projections, and gonna, the funny thing is they put them out, and a lot of people said, okay, and they were talking about it. And then just this week they said, hey, we actually had um, some issues with our numbers. Let me get the exact quote here. Uh, from Seth Walder, who's part of the team, it said that we recently discovered that a previous preseason release of CFB FPI contained data and modeling errors. We're re-releasing FPI today after remedying those issues. We regret the error and apologies to college football fans for the confusion. Update, update you can find updated projections here. Now, BYU checked in originally as the number 63 team in their original FPI release uh, that they released earlier on. I think it was earlier in the spring when they brought them out. And, okay, that's a middling program in the country. A lot of people, okay, said, well, that shows that BYU is going to fall back to earth after their 2020 season. Well, with the new one coming out, BYU has now jumped up to 38, a jump of some 25 spots. Now, Utah didn't have necessarily as big of a jump there. They check in at number 30. So BYU is just eight spots behind the Utes. The projections for both of these teams, this is what I want to talk about here with you, Lundy, is it projects Utah with 7.9 wins against 4.3 losses. And trust me, I know it doesn't, you're probably 7.9 and 4.3. It's not an even number. It's, it's purposely done that way. BYU, meanwhile, 8.1 wins, 3.9 losses. What should we make of this, Lundy? Well, it's, I mean, it's 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 always tough to, you know, I mean, because a lot of this we talk about because 
it's the summer and we're getting yes. ready and we're excited. You know, a lot of this ends up kind of being meaningless, but it's it's also like I don't think it's worthless, right? Like sure. there there are things that you can read into this where um some of these advanced metrics and things do come into play, you know, the the amount of returning experience um you can look into okay, that here's the schedule, you know, it takes mm -hmm. these kinds of things into account. And so it does give you kind of a good area to set your baseline expectations. Sure. Well, and see, the one thing about BYU in this regard is that 63 projection that had them had them achieving between a 6 and 6 record and a 7 and 5 record. And now with this, they shoot up a little bit. Now it's looking 8 and 4. And that's a big difference, right? Like It is. Two wins, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you consider that it's, you know, a significant portion of your schedule, like, you know, 6 and 6 and 8 and 4 mm -hmm. is a – that that's a sizable you know you're going from just barely making a bowl to okay this is actually a pretty solid team yeah and so it has both of the local teams here sitting projected eight and four records now i think many utah fans out there are going to argue well eight and four against uh, utah's schedule looks different than byu's the one thing byu is going to retort with well we're playing seven power five teams so we're right there with you yeah well you know, and like I, I agree with both sides where it's like, you know, yeah, an eight and four schedule against a, a, an actual power five conference, like when you're a member member of it, mm -hmm. it is different. But BYU is not playing their 2020 schedule again where no. it was zero power fives. Right. <laughs> yes. Now, Utah plays nine power five games. BYU plays seven. There's a difference there. Sure. But it's still I mean, eight wins against seven power five, you know. So that's that's what you've got your five group of fives. Mm -hmm. That means that you're winning at least three of those power five matchups. Correct. Yeah. If you're getting there, that's you know, that's not a bad season. No, it, it would actually. And the funny thing about it is I think it, this is just my personal opinion on this. And if you're a BYU fan out there who disagrees with me, feel free to reach out. Obviously, I love the interaction with you guys. We'll get to those thoughts here in a moment. But if let's say BYU, they overachieve. And by the way, the funny thing about this is, is they actually also project um, to win out, like to go undefeated. Uh, the chances for Utah, according to the FPI, to win out are 0.2%, but BYU 0.5%. I think it's a difference of nine power five games, seven power five games. I, I, I think that's it. That, that right there, that, that metric alone is probably determined by the number of power five teams you're playing. Now, it is just my personal opinion that if BYU were to achieve a 10-2 and or an 11-1 and record against this year's schedule, they would be more highly thought of than they were in 2020. And that was a top 15 team in the final mm -hmm. rank, top number 11 in the final rankings. Yeah, and I would agree with that. You know, like, if you can go 10-2 and with that many Power 5 teams on the schedule, yeah, you're absolutely going to be viewed as, as a lot better than... I mean, we've we've seen, you know, in recent years, teams get left out of you know group of five teams that go eleven and one tend to get left out of New Year's Six conversations, right? Unless they're the number, they're unless they're the top group of five, yeah, team. You know, I mean BYU last year, they they dropped that one game and instantly it was like, well, okay, yep, let's move them out to the side, even though they were a good team where teams in Power 5 conferences, you lose one game, and it's like, well, we'll still see. They could still make the playoff. 
Yeah. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I do think that these individual game projection numbers are, are fairly interesting, especially some of you know the changes and the differences even with like the S and P plus. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's it's SP plus. Remember, they got they got in trouble for using oh, right. S and P plus. Yeah, Stupid it's SP thing. plus now. Way to go, guys. Yeah. Um, so we got Utah's in front of you. You got BYU in front of you. I've got Utah's pulled okay, up. Okay, right so let's now. let's go through Utah real quick, then we can get through BYU. So obviously, you know, I think Weaver State. Nobody's going to be surprised. 947 percent win probability. That's kind of low considering a lot of FCS games, but okay. Yeah, well, but that that's respect to Weber State. Obviously. Yeah, that that and that's because of Weber State standing in yeah. the FCS right now. Mm-hmm. Other, you know, um, the one that's going to stand out and this is interesting. Yeah, uh, BYU September 11th. Utah's win projection, 47.5%. BYU, 52.5%. Yeah, and, you know, that's one that I look at, and I, you know, and I maybe you are maybe you agree with me, maybe you disagree, but I, I look at that and go, that's, mm, I, I think that's low. I think that's very low. Yeah, here's my opinion on this. This is, it's a home game for BYU. I think mm-hmm. that's what flipped that percentage, because this, I think, yeah. I think they probably looked at it as a 50-50 game, and we all know in betting parlance, the home team gets three points. Right. That, to me, is what swung this to BYU's favor. But it's my personal opinion. I would have had Utah with the 50-whatever percent and BYU with the 40-whatever. Yeah, and it's interesting. The, the SP Plus, uh, Utah's win percentage in that is 71%. Okay. So that's a, that's a really big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And so, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, what does ESPN's algorithm know that – SP plus doesn't that the rest of us don't you know like what are we what are we missing here what's what's and so you know that's what I love about it is it's going to throw a lot of gas on this rivalry fire you know and all of the lead up talk to it because I I I, while I no longer really like you know involve myself in rivalry banter I certainly did in my younger you know like high school years I do enjoy watching it from a distance you know from the outside just kind of like you know watching people poke and prod as long as they don't take it to extreme lengths and you know mm-hmm. cross any lines or anything like that i think it's really fun i think it creates a fun environment and so i think that this will help foster that um even though you know i i uh i i, I don't necessarily think that it'll be as close to a toss-up but it'll be interesting um but yeah, what are there any percentages that stand out to you, either on Utah's or BYU's? Well, see, the the most interesting one, obviously, is going to drive the debate here, is that BYU Utah. Right. Obviously, that that one's a big one. Uh, the one thing about BYU's in particular is the fact that BYU, according to the the win probability numbers, projects I, I believe it's ten wins for the Cougars. They were their their favorite. The the percentages say they have over fifty percent chance of winning ten of their games. The only two that are below fifty percent, yeah. I'm, it are at Baylor, 41.5%, and at USC, 31.2%. The rest of them, BYU actually has the quote-unquote percentages in their favor. That surprises me. The fact that BYU, according to the win probabilities, mm-hmm. has 10 wins. That, that to me, I, I've kind of said all along, of course, if you guys want more of my thoughts on BYU and Utah, check out the Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars podcast that I do. But I've always thought all along that BYU to achieve, were to achieve an 8-4 and four record, which is what they're projected at it with the overall FPI, I would have said that's a successful season in 2021 for BYU. But if you go by these win probability numbers, 10 wins, if you're a BYU fan, you're over the moon. Oh yeah, you're absolutely taking that, especially if it includes a win against Utah. Okay, that I'm 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 being frank right here. 
I think there are a lot of BYU fans within the sound of our ears that would say, I'll take a 6-6 six and six record and win over Utah over a 10-2 and two record and a loss against Utah. Maybe I'm wrong about that, and let, let me know if I am wrong, but I think there are a lot of BYU fans who would take that. I, I think that you're, you're right. I think that a lot of BYU fans would take that. Um, you know, I can't speak towards the Utah fans because I think that a lot of them would say that, you know, hey, if it's 10-2 and two and a loss to BYU, we're perfectly fine with that. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, now when it actually, you know, if, if it were to actually happen, maybe it turns out to be a different story. Maybe it doesn't. Sure. It, but, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have to see. I personally don't expect that to be the case this year. Eventually it will be the case because all streaks come to an end. It's been a pretty impressive streak since so yeah. far, though. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is going to be the year, but who knows? That's the beauty of college football. That's you never know, and you can never tell. It's Yeah, we are four weeks away from the open open of fall camps, obviously, just under two months away from the season actually getting going. I think uh, for Utah, it's 54 days today, 56 days for BYU. Uh, Utah State also 56 days out. By the way, Utah State projected with a 5-7 and seven record, according to the FPI, but they have them in the bottom 15 of the entire FBS ranks, so... Might be a little bit of a struggle this year for the Aggies up there in Logan. We'll find out, though. But like you mentioned, it's kind of the, the beauty of this sport is you never quite know what's going to happen. All right. Coming up next, we will get to technical fouls. Uh, get to your guys' response. Got a number of people tweeting in at us on different topics we've covered on today's show as well. We'll get to all of that ahead right here on the Saturday show. It's Cougars and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show. It is time as we round out the 12 o'clock hour for technical fouls. Uh, I, I hate saying the word reward, but we are rewarding just bad behavior and stupid behavior in sports. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? Sure, that's a good point. Uh, Lundy, where are we going this week for your technical foul? So I wanted to, you know, kind of some people I'm sure are aware, uh, UFC 264 tonight, mm-hmm. Conor McGregor is fighting Dustin Poirier for the for the third time now bringing their number of matchups equal to the number of times that Conor McGregor has retired in the last four years. (laughs) So I'm giving a uh, Conor McGregor. He's getting a technical foul for just constantly, you know, I mean, like it it seems like retirement for him is more of a promotional material than an actual serious retirement. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when you consider, you know, like he's one win away from getting another title shot. He's won one match in five years it's been a hot minute like outside of his name conor mcgregor has not really done from being one of the biggest stars that mma has ever had mm-hmm. conor mcgregor hasn't been relevant he's and made, it, he's made all his money recently off of um his uh what was it, it was um irish whiskey yeah proper number 12 yeah 180 million dollars all told i think in his portion of that sale the thing that interests me the most about conor mcgregor is i i'm fascinated by him simply like the way he goes about the promotional side the way he has attacked 
this third fight versus the second Poirier fight is so different because if you watch any media that he did during that first, that second Poirier fight, he was very respectful, very measured. He was like, he basically was like, I, I respect this man. I'm going to like, you know, like I, I see what he does. And he has come out for this fight and just taken a completely different angle, which is very interesting. To me. Well, I mean, you know, the disrespect is kind of Conor McGregor's MO, right? Like, he just he runs his mouth he's and that's what's made him such a good star because you know in, in my opinion conor mcgregor grew he grew to his stardom and his his fame based on running his mouth and winning very opportunistically sure he in my opinion he's not the most technically sound fighter he you know he's really like he's talented for sure like mm-hmm. you know i you know if i were to get into an octagon with him i would be his fastest knockout ever because i <laughs> you and me both i don't know anything about you know like actually fighting cover I, up know, what do you mean cover up i don't yeah. want to be in here you know i've done a couple of like training thing you know like very basic that basically doesn't actually qualify me to do anything fair um but you know i i enjoy watching the fights and i i just think that conor mcgregor you know if he loses tonight expect another an, a retirement announcement before his next fight because he's going to he's going to retire again and then he'll get another fight and that's so i mean you know technical foul on conor mcgregor for for making brett Favre look like he was actually committed to retirement but to play devil's advocate mike tyson and floyd mayweather are doing the exact same thing no they're not they absolutely are no. with like the Logan Paul stuff and the, but those were exhibition fights. Yeah, this is not. This is actual competition yeah. to get another shot at a title. Those were, those were purposely set up as an exhibition fight. They do not count on the actual. This record. is different. You don't think Conor McGregor views this as just another exhibition no. fight as a way to up this his actually profile? goes. This goes on his record. This I'm goes just, on his permanent record, and it gets him another shot at a title. I'm just saying, he is sure he'll, quote, retire, but he's about to catch a check because the next big McGregor fight that's coming is one of those Paul Dweebs is going to sign him. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, they, and they will. Don't laugh. Kay, that is going to happen Kay, within the next two years. Here's the thing. It's genius. Why not print that money? Oh, yeah. 100%. Exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, like, look, if, if Conor McGregor were doing exhibition fights, then I'd be understa- a little bit more understanding for it, right? Because that's what, like, Floyd Mayweather, he does these because he's not coming out of retirement. He's still retired. This is still an exhibition fight. You know, it's, I, I guarantee that he has, when he does his sparring matches just to stay in shape, he gets better competition than he got from, one, you know, one, fighting one of the Pauls. Yeah, like he gets better competition that way. Floyd Mayweather, if he had, he wanted to finish that fight in the first round, it would have been over. Yeah, I, and he's fifty years old. Like. I don't believe that. Seriously, I I think that both those fighters have no business stepping in a ring right now. They are fifty years old. No, have you Logan seen Paul? Ain't or yeah. is it Jake Paul? Which one did he fight? He, I think he fought Jake. Okay. I'm not saying that remember. Logan or Jake Paul are good boxers. I am not Actually, saying. I think, they, that. I think they are good boxers. I am not saying I think that. Given for the length of time yeah, they've, they've been trained. boxing, they're they're yeah, they're, they're fairly, better than they're I would proficient. expect them to. But like, but. I think you lose it a little bit at some point. Floyd Mayweather is going. If he were to step in the ring and actually, there was not behind the scenes machinations about oh this thing's gonna go we're gonna get some hits in we're gonna lean on each other for a while <laughs> he would get knocked out 
Okay. By one of the Pauls? Absolutely not. Yeah, not by the If he's fighting a legitimate fighter, like yeah. an actual professional fighter, there is, then yes. There is a 50-50 chance he gets knocked out by one of the Pauls if it's an actual legitimate fight that they're trying to Eric, win. Eric, Eric. There I think is a 50-50 chance. There is a 0% <laughs> chance. No. A 0 per- If he wanted to, like Floyd Mayweather, yeah, sure, he's lost a step, yeah. but he still has so much speed that he could go in there and not take a single hit and still knock out his opponent in the first round he, if it's one of the Paul brothers. He is the greatest defensive boxer I have ever seen. He is so He good. is also 50. He's still yeah. elite at that. I can give you that. All yeah. right. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, we'll have to revisit this. I, I, Technical did, foul on Eric for that <laughs> take. <laughs> I think the Paul brothers gonna knock out Floyd Mayweather. Fifty-fifty shot. No, no, no not Zero even close. Percent. He's been training for how long? How long has he been a professional boxer? Like long, two long and a half to three years now. You know, the Pauls. Okay, are, now how long has Floyd Mayweather been a professional boxer? It has been longer ten than you've plus been alive. years since he, he has been in a real fight. Yeah, but does he still train? Yeah, he still trains regularly. If you watch his training stuff, if you watch even Mike Tyson's training, yep. it's terrifying. Mike Tyson scares the crap out of me. He's 60 now? Something, something yeah, he's, he's getting up there, and he's still got speed and power. P.S., uh, by the way, if you guys wanted a really fascinating podcast about the ear-biting incident and like where the ear ended up, uh, there's a podcast out there I can recommend to you guys. It was, I listened to it yesterday. It was fascinating. Oh, I, I'm all in for that. <laughs> uh, by the way, i got to get my quick technical foul in here. We'll get to break. <laughs> Did not say that much time. Uh, technical <laughs> foul on the random fan who just walked onto the tee box and thought, you know what? I'm going to take a club out of Rory McIlroy's bag and take a swing with it. I uh, walked up. He grabbed the head cover originally and kind of pulled the head cover off one of the woods and then grabbed, like I think it was like an eight iron, something like that. And you can see both John Rom and Rory McIlroy are both standing there, like, "What is going on?" It was, just, and let's be honest, I think it's a little bit different in the U.S. sports area than it is because they're playing in the Scottish Open over there. In the U.S., there been a security guard tackling that oh, dude five 100%. seconds, and like they're like, "Sir, can you step off of the tee box over here?" I can't do a good English accent, so I would have tried or Scottish accent, but just. I don't get what that guy was thinking, but technical foul on him. There's no doubt yeah. about that. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for technical fouls. <laughs> Come back on the other side. We're going to catch up with Sam Farnsworth from KSL TV and Sportsbeat over there. I'll get some thoughts on the upcoming Olympics, how everything's going for him. Get some of his thoughts on the local sports scene as well. One thirty. Uh, Tim Lacombe will stop by to talk about the concert tonight. We'll also get to Saki, uh, 60 and 60 recap. we got a loaded 1 o'clock hour coming up right here on the Saturday show. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch. That is Alex Lundberg. Joachim Lundy is what we like to go by here on the show. Excited to catch up with our guest here. 
Sam Farnsworth from KSL TV, KSL Sports, and also Sportsbeat. Sam, what is up? How are you, sir? Good. It's good to hear you, Nate. Hey, so, Sam, first things first, let's get a little bit of the background of how you and I know each other. I told Lundy, Alex, uh, my co-host here, that <laughs> you and I have known each other for many, many years. Do you want to help uh, yeah. fill him in on this? Yeah, so uh, we grew up in, uh, you know, obviously most people are familiar with the term ward. So we were in the same ward growing up. Uh, Nate's dad is one of my all-time favorite guys. Uh, he, he was one of my youth leaders growing up, and I really looked up to him when I was in, in that 13, 14-year-old range, 14, 15, that ballpark is, is when I really got to know him, and I really looked up to him. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, and Nate was just a little guy back then. He was just, just a little primary kid, you know, dinking around uh, the church house, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool how it's all come full circle. So, yeah, so that's actually exactly what it is. Yeah, so having a good time with that. Uh, so let's talk a little bit, obviously, about the upcoming Olympics. You guys at KSL are going to be covering it from top to bottom, being the NBC, NBC affiliate here. Can you kind of fill us in on what the plans are? So, I mean, it's you're going to see a lot less of me when the Olympics begins. Not that anyone uh, cares that much, but... <laughs> We're, our our news time is going to go down quite a bit, you know, because the Olympic coverage, NBC and their plans, uh, you know, year in, year out when they cover the Olympics, uh, they they invest quite a bit into their, their Olympic coverage. And as a result, it preempts just about anything else that's on the airwaves at KSL. You know, we'll still have some news spots. But, um, you know, for the most part, opening ceremonies begins on the 23rd of July. And, and I think from a viewer perspective, people who are at home who are used to sitting down and watching the Olympics, it's going to be a very familiar setting to what we're normally used to uh, with the Olympics. Obviously, at the Olympics, as we know now, it's going to be quite different with no fans allowed. Um, but from all, all accounts that, that we've been receiving, it still sounds like the Olympics are, are you know, full steam ahead as far as the competitions go. Awesome. Sam, with the uh, Olympics coming up as well, like, you know, how does that affect the normal broadcast kind of things that you do at this time, you know, with college football leading in as well? Does that kind of interrupt things? Does it help complement it? Does it, you know, how, do, how does that affect what you guys are doing? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it does a little bit of both. I, I think it, it definitely interrupts a lot of, because we normally have our sports beat shows on Saturdays uh, and Sundays, which, you know, Saturdays it's a full 30-minute sports program. On Sundays it's a 45-minute sports program. And we will not have those at all during the three weeks of the Olympics because it'll be all Olympic coverage. But at the same time, um, yeah, I think it does kind of help complement a, a little bit because it gets, it, you know, in, in the long run from a KSL perspective, you know, more eyeballs are watching our channel and they might see a few more of our promotions and things like that. And by the time the Olympics begin, we're starting to dive almost 100% into football by then, which is perfect. You know, uh, college football just a couple weeks after that, high school football even before then uh, with our uh, Friday night high school and Saturday high school shows that we do. So I think it, it will help uh, maybe bring a little bit of awareness. So, it, you know, it's yet, yet to be seen what we'd have to wait to see what ratings say. But, uh, you know, it does a little bit of both. It definitely will interrupt our regular routine. But hopefully in the end, it, it builds momentum for us as we go into football. There's been a lot going on with just kind of Olympics and uh, both spectators, uh, 
athletes getting to the Olympic Games. I saw that I think it was Fiji. Uh, they were flying in on a on a plane that actually is delivering meat to uh, Japan of all <laughs> things. Like, and the logistics of it are absolutely insane. It's just kind of what it's going on. Is KSL planning on sending any of the reporters, from whether it's on the news side, the sports side, over to Tokyo? Yes, uh, and we have three going. We have Shara Park, who's uh, the morning news anchor. Alex Cabrero, he's one of our news reporters, and then Jeremiah Jensen, okay, uh, you know, one of our sports anchors for Sportsbeat. He's also going. So that, those three, along with a couple of photographers, are going. And KSL, NBC stations, because uh, because NBC, you know, purchases the rights to Olympic coverage for many, many hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, uh, then the NBC affiliates uh, get that access that a lot of other stations don't get. And as a result, I think a lot of NBC affiliates will tend to invest by sending you know, their, their faces, their reporters out there to be seen and to report from the games. But not only that, Salt Lake City, you know, with the Olympic Games, the Winter Olympic Games that were here in 2002, Salt Lake City has become and is a very strong Olympic market. It's got one of the strong, in fact, it has the strongest uh, the, the highest rated market for Olympic coverage in the nation. And so uh, us sending our, our reporters and, uh, you know, having a presence in Tokyo is, is important for us as well, because it, it certainly, um, you know, adds to, to that dynamic. So. Um, so with the Olympics this year, you know, it's kind of, as we all know, it's, it's due to a weird year last year. It's the, delayed a little mm-hmm. bit um so these summer olympics are actually like what six months away from the winter olympics that are coming up uh right does that kind of are, are you planning on doing the same kinds of things when the, the winter olympics go to beijing uh later you know early next year are you sending reporters there does it also kind of like affect your normal broadcast schedule as well with that coming so close on the heels of the summer olympics right yeah, and yeah, so we, we're already making a lot of Beijing plans here at KSL as well because because it's so close, you know, and and so soon after it's it's this is a big year for NBC stations because we've got the Summer Games uh, going on now uh, in February. We'll also have the Super Bowl on NBC uh, at the same time, as, right right before the Olympic Games, or right about the same time as the Olympic Games are going on. Uh, in Beijing, the Winter Olympics on NBC. So, yeah, we're already putting plans into effect. I don't know how much I'm supposed to reveal about what our just strategy is all. for Beijing. Yet, yeah, but, just spill but it all I, right I, now. I, hey, I, I have no problem saying this part, is that the plan is for me to go to Beijing ah, as, okay. as a part of that team. So I'm pretty excited about that, and, and I think it's going to be a great opportunity, not only for me, but it's going to be awesome for KSL again to, to have that continued Olympic presence that they've established over the past several years. That's the fun part about it is just the the Olympics, their eyeballs literally from all over the globe. And I, you mentioned the fact that Salt Lake City is just a strong market here because of, we've had the Winter Olympics here. And I think there's a very uh, internationally focused uh, fan base mm-hmm. here just because of LDS missions, people moving in from out of state. The people pay attention to what's going on. And I think that's the fun part about it is. Uh, and I also, Sam, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what's going on here, of course, closer to home. Uh, the jazz season in the rearview mirror here. I know you were engrossed in it as much as anybody over there at KSL and KSL Sports. What were some of your takeaways from the season overall for the jazz? Well, I mean, things were going great for quite a while there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, 
you know, they, they end up getting that number one seed, uh, in which is something they hadn't done uh, previously, the number one seed in the NBA. And going into the playoffs, injuries just got in the way. And, and I think I, along with every other Jazz fan or, or reporter out there, feels the same way. You, you have that, that big what if going on in the back of your head, especially as you've seen these playoffs uh, unfold and you see the Suns and Bucks in the finals, I don't think there's many uh, basketball analysts or fans out there that, that would believe the, the Suns or Bucks could beat a fully healthy Jazz team. You know, I think, a, I think a fully healthy Jazz team would have a very good chance at winning this year's NBA Finals with, you know, hindsight 2020 and all, how we've seen it unfold. But, yeah, certainly uh, that's just that, – that was the problem. That's what got in the way. I, I think – that series against Memphis, that first-round series against Memphis, was a great picture of what this Utah Jazz team could have been moving forward throughout the playoffs. Had Donovan not retweaked the ankle, had Mike not uh, retweaked his hamstring, um, I think that was a good picture of what we would have seen moving forward throughout the playoffs. And it's unfortunate we didn't get to see it unfold and see what could have happened, so you just have to keep fingers crossed that they can stay healthy and and, you know, run it back next year. Kind of piggybacking off of that answer a little bit, what do you think are some of the main storylines going into this offseason for the Utah Jazz? Well, number one is is clearly going to be Mike Conley. Are they going to re-sign him? Does he stay? Does he go? He's going to have options. There's no doubt there's going to be multiple teams out there that um, that will want him. The, the problem for the Jazz is if – they can't convince Mike Conley to stick around with those bird rights that allowed them to go over the cap to keep him. Then they're kind of, they're bound, you know, with how much money is already being spent on the rest of the roster. They don't really have many other options out there. So the jazz, it's Mike Conley or bust kind of an off season. But I think Mike Conley, I, I really do believe that Mike Conley and the jazz both know that they're better together, you know? So uh, a lot of it's just going to depend on, uh, how much Mike wants to be here, if he wants a bigger payday somewhere else, uh, you know, if he wants to, I don't know, go somewhere closer to home, I, you know, whatever, you know, whatever that may be. So, uh, but ultimately I think both sides understand that when healthy, they know what they can do together and what they can be together. It's just a matter of a few, you know, dollars and cents working out the right, the right contract. And hopefully it gets worked out for the Jazz. I think we're all in agreement on that one there. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about college football this upcoming fall, obviously. The hope is that we have a a full slate of games, 12 games for all the local teams, all that stuff goes down. What are kind of some of your thoughts as you look about, we're about a month away from fall camps opening here. What are your expectations for the Utes, Cougars, and Aggies? I think we're going to be surprised um, a, a little bit. And, and what I mean by that, as far as Utah and BYU goes, um, I think I think Utah fans and BYU fans might have pleasant surprises. I, I really think both teams are going to be solid teams this year. I think Utah is going to be, you know, even though they had a lot of turnaround from years ago, they only had a handful of games last year. Looks like we may have lost Sam there, middle of his answer. I actually do want to hear what he he's yeah. surprised. What were we surprised about, Sam? That's, that's you know, that's quite the uh, accidental tease there. <laughs> it's all <laughs> right. Know, just getting well, us uh, the joys of live radio, man. Let me tell oh, you. Yeah. Trust me. The, the, the funny thing is, this happens on DJ and PK's show 
all the time. Like, <laughs> like more than I care to admit and expect. It happens all the time. So it just, but I'm excited. Mm-hmm. We'll have Sam back here hopefully in just a moment. Oh, okay. Got him back. So, Sam, you were in the middle. You said we're going to be surprised <laughs> by these local teams, and then it cut out. So, fire away. Uh, okay, well, uh, yeah, so what I was getting at is I, I think I think Ute fans and Cougar fans will be happy, I guess. Uh, I, my, my take is that I think both teams will exceed expectations. I think the Utes will be a strong contender for the Pac-12 South Division. Um, it seems like no matter what year in and year out, this is just how good of a coach I think Coach Witt is his his ability to uh, develop talent within the team and recruit, you know, turn three star guys into four and five star talents, and and nowadays the ability for them to recruit four star guys across the country, um, they've just shown year in and year out that they're going to be a pretty darn competitive team just about every season. I expect that from the Utes for sure. BYU, uh, on the other hand, you know, of course we all know about the talent that they've lost primarily at quarterback, but you look at that offense. You look at all of the playmakers that they have at wide receiver, especially with the addition of the Nakua brothers. You still have Romney there. Uh, you've got Isaac Rex at tight end. You've got Algier and Katoa in the backfield. You still have solid offensive linemen. It almost feels like no matter who's going to be plugged in to replace Zach, it is set up for that offense to succeed. So I think, um, you know, obviously the schedule is going to be much more challenging than last year. So we'll find out just how good they are really quick. But at the same time, I, I believe that BYU – is still uh, got a strong chance at a good eight, eight, nine win season. All right. Well, we'll look forward to it. Of course, we'll be watching your guys' coverage of the Olympics. It's something I enjoy watching. And I do like, by the way, I was going to ask you, I forgot to ask you this earlier. In terms of live coverage versus tape delay stuff, obviously, Tokyo, opposite side of the world, how are they handling that on the NBC side of things? Well, they still got to fit it into you know, uh, American prime time yeah. and, and, you know, so the, uh, a lot of it will still be not live, you know? Okay. Um, uh, and, and in the world we live in today, obviously you're still going to be able to find results however you want to sure. at, at the moment of the results, whether it's on the web or, or whatever, but we know that people still want to see it, whether they already know the results or not, we know people still want to see it. And there's a lot of people that just like with your favorite, the uh, you know, show that you like to binge watch. You, you try to avoid social media if you don't want spoilers. So, um, and 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 with the other networks, you know, NBC Sports and the other networks that that they use for the Olympics, there will be some live coverage as well. So there's there'll be a mix of the two. Don't you love the digital age where you can have multiple channels and put some of it live? And obviously, like you said, tape delay a bunch of it for NBC and all that fun stuff. Well, Sam, thanks for checking in with us. We'll look forward to doing it again soon. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Nate. All right, guys. Uh, so. Let's talk now. Uh, so that's the interesting part about the Olympic side, side of the thing is you want to get the results. You obviously want to know how American athletes or whatever country you're rooting for go is, man, I would have a hard time being able to watch it once I know the results. That's just kind of how, how I am. But at the same time, I also get it like with the Olympics, you still want to see people do amazing things. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, this is some of the greatest athletes in the world at a myriad of different like events, things that we don't typically normally watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's once every four years that everybody just gets hyped about swimming. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, well, the, the funny is that people are like, Oh, swimming actually exists. Yeah, it does. It exists in the other f- three years on the interim. We get that, but 
it very much comes back into the consciousness when the Olympics come around. Yeah. So it's it's really fun. Like, you know, and like it's gonna be one of those things where I feel like I try this every two years alternating with summer and winter, but I try to watch as much live as possible because I'm one of those people that it's it's harder for me to watch it already knowing that it happened. Um but I mean I I still do that because a lot of the time it's like this is at three AM and I try to wake up and watch it and I fall asleep during it anyway and miss it and so you know watch it in prime time anyway so they had the summer games in 08 over there in Beijing and they so they were going to tape delay the gold medal game for the team USA in the basketball but they also showed it live um somebody was up very late it was actually like really early in the morning and I was whooping and hollering in my parents basement (laughs) yeah I was doing the same thing my mom was like what are you doing I'm like I'm watching LeBron James. Leave me alone. Man, those 08 Olympics in Beijing, those are probably my favorite Olympics that I watched, that I've watched over the years. Like, just Beijing put on a great Summer Olympics. Huh. So that's the one that is kind of the standard for me usually. Well, and you had Phelps doing what he was doing. Man. You had the Team USA in basketball. There was a lot of great things that came out of those Olympics, especially yeah. for the Team USA. But Beijing, they put on a show. Yep. And I believe that this Tokyo Olympics is the first time that baseball and softball are back since Beijing. Yep, yep they're back. So, And they're only back for this games. They're going to skip Paris, come back for the L.A. games in 28. Who knows what beyond that will hold, but mm-hmm. I'm just hoping we have the Winter Olympics back here in 2030. That's just... Fingers crossed. That's what I'm hoping for, but we'll find out about that. Uh, Bond to get a couple responses here on Twitter we sent in. Um, Clint Peterson, I've watched Floyd's entire career. 50-50 chance. Ha, 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 ha. Eric, you're in the you're in the like the smallest minority I can think of on this. I, I I'm I'm being honest. Well, <laughs> it's often those with <laughs> the most correct takes that oh. uh, are in the smallest minority. So okay. uh, Do you yeah. find any figures that back that up? Oh, good. Because <laughs> I, I I disagree with that. Science is for nerds. Hey, we all know that you can do whatever you want in this day and age. Yeah. Uh, Chris Barrett also saying from earlier earlier conversation about the 10-second thing with uh, – he sent this in. The 10-second foul shot rule is something that Carl Malone used to be criticized for just like Giannis. I remember as a kid watching playoff games and hearing crowds counting when he was shooting. That's when there was a 10-second rule. Chris, that's a good point there. I, yeah. it, it, probably, you're probably – there are many probably with you on that. And then also um, one other – oh, two other ones here from uh, – uh, Scooter Burke saying, hey, I just wanted to get your guys' thought on what you think the Utah Jazz will do in terms of signing potentially a guy like Kevin Love from the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's intriguing. It's probably worth discover- discussing at a future point. Yeah. I, I mean, never say never. It's not something that I would have consciously thought of, but you know, I'm sure that they'll at least maybe discuss it. I yeah. don't know how long they'll discuss it, but I'm sure that they would weigh that option. And then Clint. At 24-7 Lundy, at Eric18Utah, do not go to Utah County with Jacob C. Hatch. He'll be like, hey, you guys want to go drag state and hang out in the Albertsons parking lot? (laughs) Okay, here's the thing, Clint. Get it right. As I said, it was Walmart for me and Orem. He said later on, said T-Birds, Timview graduate, I believe, is, is where Clint is from. So we did drag state. Uh, there's also a thing called uh, Cruising the Eight uh, in Provo. Uh, your old movies eight down there, right off of University Parkway. I uh, used to drive around that a lot. So, good times. Good times. 
Eric, get, get excited. Provo's, Provo's a happening place. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we're actually going to catch up with Tim Lacombe, the man of the hour, the lead singer of the Party Hounds, get his take on how last night's show went and how what to expect tonight as all three of us will be in attendance when the Party Hounds take the stage at the Velour. We'll get to all that next right here on the Saturday Show. Breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jock and Lundy along for the ride here on this Saturday afternoon on the Zone Sports Network. i uh, going to catch up now with the man who happens to be singing underneath us right now. Tim Lacombe, of course, does the pre-half and post-game shows for us here on the Zone Sports Network on Jazz Broadcast. Tim, how's it going? What's going on, fellas? Oh, not a lot. Uh, so we need to, first off, evaluate your performance last night. Well, I thought we really put a lot of pressure on the crowd. Uh, I thought we definitely brought the energy. I think our technique was was definitely on point. And, uh, you know, overall, for a band that sees each other three times a year and rehearses about three times a year at those three times we play, uh, I, I think it went, it was, I would give ourselves an A for last night. Awesome. Tim, what, uh, what adjustments are you making going into night two? <laughs> Night two, we have got to – you've got to come out and hit everybody in the face early because we're going to have a lot of uh, – a high-level crowd tonight from what I understand. I, by my counting, we're going to be over in double digits from the zone tonight. So, um, you're, you know, you guys obviously are making plans to be there. He's going to be there. Uh, every single host of uh, a show on, on the, the, the zone is coming tonight. And uh, actually, just got word that uh, my boy Bowler Jack's coming tonight too. Sweet, so Bowler's gonna be there. It is going Bowler's gonna be there, so it's going to be a blast. If you try to get tickets online, you can't. We're sold out online. Uh, they will sell uh, probably fifty more seats, first uh, you know, standing room. Uh, fifty more if you get to the floor tonight and are really nice. But um, two sold out shows ain't bad. Okay, I know an old friend of ours, Adrian Leiser, was in attendance last night. Was he going hog wild? You know what, Adrian? I saw he and Amanda, uh, Amanda Smith. Was yeah, there oh yeah, last I forgot night. about Amanda. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they were just off the left of the stage, and they were rocking hard. They Good. had a blast, and and they both sent me really nice texts afterwards and said they enjoyed it. So um, it was awesome to see them. It's going to be great to see all y'all tonight. Eric's got a question for you. Go ahead, Eric. You sound a little bit fatigued. How are you going to deal with the back-to-back? Back-to-back is tough. Um, today it's a lot of honey uh, honey tea to kind of coat the, the throat. You know, we do have a veteran in our band uh, of some 30 years has played more rock shows than I've, and I've coached basketball games. And so he, I was actually hitting him up for pointers today. Like, how do you do this? And he's like, ah. I just play the guitar and I don't scream like you, so I'm good. <laughs> uh, kind of, I'm on my own here. The veteran didn't come through, but we'll see. We'll see how I do on stage tonight. Okay, so 
Tim, I, I got to ask you this, though. In, I've heard from multiple people that you take on a different persona when you take that stage. Uh, can you kind of explain how you go about that? How do you kind of divorce yourself from what you are in everyday life to the, I'm Tim Lacombe, lead singer of The Party Hounds. The Party Hounds. Well, I'll, I think to answer that question, you know how you can name your cell phone? Okay. Right? Yeah. You, know how you can name your iPhone. My iPhone, in the way that uh, Siri re- re- uh, refers to me, is Rap God. <laughs> so deep down inside of me from a very young age, there was a seed planted with rock and roll. And uh, it's not what I get paid to do, but it's, it's what I love to do. So there's this dude in there. You'll meet him tonight. Or I don't know if you'll meet him, but you'll see him tonight. And, um, yeah, y- you know, you can't be the same you have the same demeanor as you do in a business meeting or on the sidelines you do at a rock concert. You know, you got to meld to your surroundings. So um, you guys will meet Rock God tonight. Awesome. Uh, Tim, you know, this is the first concert I'll have been to, I was saying earlier, uh, since February 14th of 2020. What kinds of things should I be preparing for, you know, to kind of get myself back into uh, show attending shape, you know, get back into the kind of that rock mode since I'm a i would bit say rusty. bring some head bring some earphones or ear, you know because it's going to be really loud or loud so they sell them there at the velour so you can get them or bring them so i think that's number one but number two just be prepared to you know uh kind of let go we're going to take you on a time machine through 70s into the 80s from 90s and heck even to some stuff you know fairly recent so although they did stop kind of making music in my mind after I sound like my parents, but you know, you know how that goes. Um, but no, I, I'd say that's probably the most important thing. Just uh, maybe turn turn up a couple notches when you're driving down there tonight, and turn it up a couple notches, and that will help prepare your ears for what you're going to hear. Well, Tim, I can tell you this much: I'm wearing my ACDC Highway to Hell shirt. I will be wearing it tonight. Uh, yeah, excited to go have some fun. And I, it's been many, many years since I've been to the Velour. I've seen many a show there in my day, but excited to go rock out with you tonight. You said about 50 tickets uh, at the door will be available. Is that right? Yeah, about 50 at the door. Ten okay. bucks a piece. All the money's going to Velour. Yeah. We're doing this as a fundraiser for for Corey Fox and the Velour over there. So. Yeah, if you want to uh, have a great time, hear some great music. Um, in all honesty, you know, my guitar player is, is unbelievable. He's been on the awesome music scene forever. and So just to come watch him that close is really, really cool. So um, you guys, the, the pointer I give you, the scouting report tonight, stand on, if you're facing the stage, kind of stand on the left side, and uh, and you'll be right on line with Mr. McKinney. You'll like that. All right, we will do it. We're looking forward to it. Go rest that voice up, and we'll, we'll of course, be hearing you shred it tonight, all right? Okay, I hope we see, here, get some uh, some Zone followers out tonight hang out with all these guys. It's an opportunity to, to rock out with the Zone. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. You're not going to get the entirety of the station's lineup in one room very often at all. So thanks to Tim for joining us. Looking forward to that. And like you said, there's tickets available at the door. Uh, they're sold out online, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm Lundy, you mentioned the fact you haven't been to a concert since, you said, February 14th? February 14th, 2020. It's been longer for me than that, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh you know, this is honestly one of my favorite pastimes is going to shows, experiencing live, live music. I appreciate that he 
mentioned the earplugs thing because I, I like that's something that I always for, like every single show I get there I park yep. and it's before I even enter the doors and I'm like oh, I oh, forgot no. head or like ear, I forgot earplugs again yep. like and so I you know usually have to buy them thankfully he said that they're selling them there so we work at an audio medium where I trust me I, I'm I, I'm with you I've done that many a time myself yeah and I, man like high school me when I was going to shows I remember seeing people with earplugs and being like why would they do like <laughs> come on guys like you know but yeah. honestly like it it actually helps the experience like it, you it can, enhances it in yeah a way. it yeah. really does it's one of those things that it took me a lot longer to figure out and to like actually buy into but now i'm the guy that like i always say all right gotta remember to bring the, the earplugs show up and i'm like oh, i forgot them again <laughs> and so i'm glad you know tim thank you for the reminder because i 100% would have forgotten. It's still probably about 50-50 that I will forget on the way down, but we'll you, see. You and me both. All right, thanks to Tim Lacombe. Uh, before we take a break here, we do need to get to our weekly staple. Eric does a lot of good work on the open for this, so let's get to it. Time for Saki. against Thomas Hassel and Hassel guessed right but can't catch up to the Rusnak shot and it's 3-0 around Salt Lake but none more important than what you're about to see here if he can convert it by Eric putting that together in London. I got to say, the Lightning have built a pretty impressive dynasty. You talked about this last week, how like they're kind of short-lived in the NHL, which is how the rules, the salary cap situation finds itself. But I got to say, Tampa Bay's done some impressive things. Yeah, and I loved that call there. You know, Lightning strikes twice yeah. as they repeat. That was awesome. You know, and, you know, it wrapped up about like we expected. I was actually quite impressed with the Habs in Game 4, being able to pull that one out in OT. 
Uh, but, you know, like we expected, Tampa Bay got it done on, in Game 5 in front of their home crowd. So, uh, you know, it was a fun Stanley Cup, you know, Stanley Cup playoff. It was a good time there. And uh, now it's the off season for hockey. Yep. So, uh, got an expansion know. draft upcoming. The Seattle Kraken, so my, my Seattle Kraken, as we will call them, will be uh, picking. Uh, they have to pick a player from every team. Uh, it can't be every team. No, they have to. They have to take twenty players overall, obviously. Yeah, and I, you know, each team gets to protect certain. I think numbers it's of players eight players per team. And then just whatever's left available, they can kind of pick through and do what they want. But yeah, I'm I'm nervous about it. Like, I mean, obviously Edmonton is going to protect Connor McDavid. So say. my Oilers aren't going to be losing like their main staple. But it's not like they exactly have pieces that Who's they the other one? Dreisaitl? Yeah, Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Uh, those two guys will be protected for sure. But, I mean, they already need help as it is, and they're going to lose some of those pieces where they already need help, and it's going to make it worse. And so I'm I, I'm worried. I, you know, your, your team has has me worried as an Edmonton Oilers fan. Fear the Kraken. Oh, I, I do a lot already. <laughs> It'll be fun. We'll see what happens with that. Um, Quickly here on the soccer front, uh, Real Salt Lake, a lot of bumpy results recently had been unable to find that second goal, but found the second goal Wednesday night, uh, rolled to a 4-0 victory over the Vancouver Whitecaps there at Rio Tinto Stadium. They are now off until next Saturday when they head to LAFC for a rematch. They face each other uh, So last Saturday, so six day, seven days ago. Uh, they had a chance in that match. I, RSL should have beaten LAFC in that one. Uh, the hope is now you can go to LA and pick up uh, the points there. But good to see them uh, kind of get back into the flow of things offensively. Vancouver, not a very good team. So it's kind of the what is the cure for what ails you. you got to play a quote-unquote road game. Oh, that was the funny part. About it was a road game at your home venue. <laughs> so weird, but awesome at welcome, the same time. Welcome to MLS scheduling and I asked actually. I asked Freddie Juarez about that. Can it be any type of advantage? He's like, well, we get to sleep in our own beds and everything like that. That's the nice part about it. But it's just kind of funny that RSL and it looks like Vancouver's here for the long term. I mentioned to you how they were hoping like by July one to be back. They still have not opened the border, so they still don't know when they're going to be able to go home. And it's got to, that. That's one thing about Vancouver. They're they're fish out of water. I get they've adjusted probably to the elevation and everything, but you're not home. You're not right. playing in Vancouver. Like it's just. Eh. Tough deal for them. But nonetheless, RSL, they're off this weekend. Like I mentioned, they'll be back in action a week from today when they take on LAFC down there at what I like to call Bonk of California Stadium. They spell it B-A-N-C, so I like to call it Bonk of California. It's Bank of California, but you get it. Uh, One other thing, by the way, tomorrow, Euro final, Italy, England. First time in 55 years that England is playing for a quote-unquote big title. We'll see, and they're playing at home, by the way, at Wembley. They're going to be more laser pointers at this one? Uh, that's the interesting part about that. Uh, UEFA has gotten after England, obviously, for that laser pointer on that PK that you actually heard the highlight of. They've charged them. By the way, if you're going to go to a game and have a laser pointer, what are you doing? <laughs> a technical foul on that fan, by the way. Let's get that out of the way right now. All right. Uh, so I think that's pretty good. Good recap of Saki there. All right, we'll come back on the other side, wrap up today's show, get you some final thoughts and shots before we go. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and The Zone Sports Network. Let's go live! We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend! 
You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It, it feels weird and kind of almost dirty. Dirty. For me to be like watching him and enjoying myself while I'm watching him. Nasty. Sure. Because he's he is playing at a high level and it, it's fun. I'm in, like I have a good time when I watch the Phoenix Suns play. And it, guy like me watching the Suns. It feels wrong, and I feel like I should you need apologize to for that. You need to repent. You don't need to apologize, baby. We all mess around and just watch the Suns sometimes. My name is Alex Lumber, and watching the Suns makes me feel things. Oh yeah. time do you spend searching for stuff like this? I did that all by scratch. Okay. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was that's a masterpiece right that's, there. Hang that in the Louvre. That was a good job. Well done, sir. Props to Eric on doing that, getting Alex. Once again, I got I got owned last week for sure with the dramatic reading of my Friday night. I, this has turned into like one of the segments that I look forward to most because I honestly I have no idea where it's going yeah. at any uh, just uh, well done sir yep it's a good one you know give me a little bit of time with YouTube and audition and my mind just goes places <laughs> fair enough Oh, we've been having a lot of fun today on the Saturday show. It's been a good show. We had a lot of fun. Uh, big ups to Sam Farnsworth in addition uh, to uh, uh, Tim McComb, duh, uh, for joining us today. Um, it's been a good show. We had a lot of fun talking about the NBA Finals, talking some college football, obviously. And college football needs to hurry up, man. Oh, it needs to get here quickly. We're just, just kind of hanging out, waiting for it to uh, get here. But it'll be here pretty quick. That's the crazy thing about it. Like, it feels like a long ways, but it always seems all of a sudden, like, oh, it's here. So Yeah, and it's, it's just the best time of the year, in my opinion. It's... It's just the, the 12 weeks that I look forward to the whole rest of the year, just chomping at the bit, and, and here we go. Yeah, and see, the funny thing is working in the industry we're in, people ask me, like, you probably love college football season. I'm like, yeah, I love it. But it also, like, I feel like I'm in this whirlwind for three, four months, yeah. and all of a sudden I come out the other side, and I'm like, all right, what just happened? <laughs> I don't know who, like, where I am. I just, uh, I've lost all sense of time. You're sleeping in this morning. It's exactly what it's like. You wake up and it's just, what day is it? What time? What year is it? I actually spend a lot of the next eight months kind of going back and being like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, and that happened. Oh, yeah, what about that? (laughs) It's one of those things, man. It's just, in the industry we're in, it's just, it's nonstop. Yeah. Constantly from thing to thing to thing. But at the same time, it is an absolute blast to do. Can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. And of course, we'll still be doing the Saturday show through it and everything. Mm-hmm. We'll have it. We'll have pre half and post game. Not pre half and post. We'll have pre and post game shows for BYU and Utah, the Cougar and you pre and post game shows. We'll all be involved on those. Looking forward to it nonetheless. But a big thank you to all of you guys for your support today on the show. It's been fun to catch up and just talk with people each week. That's the fun part. We spend a yep. lot of time behind the glass, all three of us. But it's fun to get on the other side, if it, as it were talk about stuff but that's gonna do it for this week any final thoughts from you lundy honestly most of my thoughts are just on uh how i'm gonna fuel before the 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 show tonight so 
you know, I'm going to be looking around for some options. I obviously, you know, back in my early concert going days, junior high, high school, it was, you know, usually stuff like Taco Bell. I don't think that's going to cut it tonight. You okay. could always but. watch for Suns. That seems to get you fired up. <laughs> you know, the, see, it, it's a different mood, right? You, know, you got to set the mood the right kind of way. And so I'm, I'm looking for a little bit, something with a little bit more spice, a little bit more kick to it. Yeah, good call. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Oh, I still can't get over that. That was <laughs> Well done, Eric. All right, that's going to do it. This has been the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. We'll be back next week. Stay tuned throughout the week, though, for DJ and PK, the Hands and Scotty, as well as the big show as well, covering everything going on. And like I mentioned, we'll be back next week right here on the Saturday show. It, it feels weird and kind of almost dirty Dirty. for me to be like watching him and enjoying myself while I'm watching him nasty because he's he is playing at a high level and it's fun I'm like I have a good time when I watch the Phoenix Suns play and a guy like me watching the Suns it feels wrong and I feel like I should apologize for that you need to repent you don't need to apologize baby we all mess around and just Watch the Suns sometimes. My name is Alex Lumber, and watching the Suns makes me feel things. Oh, yeah.